The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Life is so chilled out and relaxed. I could use some more stress in my life. I need some more to do. I need some more. If that's you today, uh, our Wi-Fi is free here. You can check the scores of games and stuff that are going on right now. You probably don't need to hear this one bit. But for all the rest of us normal people who live and work in this valley and all that kind of stuff, it's so crazy. When, when you ask somebody, the, the lead item there on the note sheet there, the first, it's on the back of your program here, is um, when you ask somebody this, how you doing? And then you fill the blank in. It'll be up on the screen. I'm so busy, right? Busy. Hardly anybody goes, I'm so relaxed. I'm so chilled out right now. That hardly ever happens. I'm so busy. And some of us are very, very busy because the demands of the schedule that you have, gosh, we live here in a valley where, what, 80% of us are driving at least a half hour to an hour, one way to work every day, back and forth, all that kind of stuff. If you have children and the schedule and what they have going on, there's just all kinds of stuff that just drives on us and drives on us. Single people, single moms, single dads, the job you have, how challenging that is. It's hard enough to be a parent with both of you, with two people doing it. With one, it's just, it's crazy how hard that can be. And so there's the grind, you're getting squeezed and you're desperate to escape the grind. And you see this thing here in the scriptures, take a day off, you're going, how? I'm gonna give you some help with that today to encourage you not to, to be a burden to you. I'm hoping today that what you get out of this is not a lot of, um, come on, get going, or even today it's gonna to be a lot more pragmatic and practical than it's gonna be super inspirational on that to help us figure out how we manage our crazy, busy, stressed out lives. So some of you that are busy and you can't help it, like life is just crazy busy. Others of us, I'm so busy. I, when I say it, when I hear other people say it, there's almost a sense of under the radar, you can pick it up. I'm so busy because I'm so important. You know, my family depends on me. My kids depend on me. My spouse depends on me. My company depends on me. My church depends on me. My friends depend on me. All the people depend on me. And it's like, I'm so busy. I'm so important. I'm so important. I'm so important. And I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And here's the big what if. We're doing this what if series right now. What if being too busy is as bad as committing adultery? You're going, come on. That can't be true. Well, it's interesting here. What Justin just read for us is, is the, 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 when God gave uh, his, set his people out there to be free out of, out of Egypt and set up their own country, he gave a bunch of rules and regulations and policies, but he had the top 10. The top 10 things, here, if you forget everything else, the top 10. You know what the longest commandment is in the 10 commandments? The fourth one about taking a day off, about Sabbathing. Like, that's crazy. Like, before he gets to don't kill people, don't steal from people, don't cheat on your spouse, he says, Sabbath day, keep it holy. So there's something about that. Go, we probably should pay attention to that. We kind of pay attention to things like I probably shouldn't cheat on my spouse or kill her or him. <laughs> he says there in Exodus 20, he says, remember the Sabbath day. He doesn't say, hey, here's a new thing for you. He had put the Sabbath in their culture long before the laws and the rules that were codified and, and, and written down. There was a thing up there, Sabbath was crazy, super 
important. He says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, some of you grew up in traditions, kind of like mine. Other, even there's whole, I'm not going to give their names because that's, that's weird to like, call people out. Like, we had enough stuff that we have to take care of without calling everybody else out. But other religious traditions that are out there have this idea of, of the Sabbath. And being holy means you better not have fun on the Sabbath because it's a holy day to God. It's a sacred day to God. And oftentimes it meant keeping the Sabbath day holy means transliterated by pastors trying to get more people to come to church go to church on the Sabbath day. And there's nothing wrong with that in the sense of having a rhythm in your life of saying, hey, I'm going to make sure I make God a priority. I'm going to make sure I join a small group. Make sure I am in church, gathered together. Something happens there. But that's not the point of what God is making here when he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The idea of in the Bible when it says the word holy it has a lot of like, ooh, holy, and it's a lot of our, that sense of being different and, and, and not doing bad, immoral, terrible things. And there's certainly something part about that. But the core idea, the etymology of what the word holy means, it just simply means set apart. It's hagiadso. It's like, you're gonna, what today you're going to treat from, um, what, 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock today, my Seahawk fans in the house are going are gonna to treat that time as holy. That's going to be set apart. We're not going anywhere. We're not turning the channel. The, the TV will be holy that day to that channel. It's, it's set up. That's all it means. It just means to be set apart. He says, hey, this day, keep it set apart. And here's the core idea of it. Some of you are going, okay, a Sabbath. What's that what, what's the Sabbath thing? What's that all about? Two, two big ideas in it. It means, first of all, take time off. Take a day off. And God's in saying, take a day off. He's going, trust me, guys, I got you. I got gotcha. you. You're, you're going to work six days and you're taking a day off and I got gotcha. you. You're going to be just fine. And what he's telling us is this. You don't have to earn anything. You don't have to prove anything. Uh, the, the church does not depend on you, ultimately. Your family does not depend on you, ultimately. The world does not depend on you. What God is saying in the Sabbath is this. You're not as important as you think you are. You think it all depends on you. It all depends on me. Look, it is important. People do depend. I'm not saying like I'll just be, do whatever you want and just blow all your responsibilities off. There's a sense of, hey, the world, there's people that depend on you, but this it, is why it's so super important. If people depend on you, then it's all the more important that you have something to depend on. And the Sabbath puts a rhythm in there to make sure that when there's resources required, when there's stuff required, that you have it. For them. And it says there that God gave us a pattern. He tells us, keep the Sabbath day, set it apart. He says, and God went first on this. He says, he, he worked, he worked, God spoke thing, the universe into existence. And on six days, the, the, the poetic narration of the, how creation worked. And it says, on the sixth day, God rested. Now, a question for you today. Does God ever get tired? Does God ever need to take a nap? Never needs a, a cold, stiff drink. Never needs. That's for you Baptists out there. Um, <laughs> God never gets tired. So I'm going, well, then why did God need to rest on the Sabbath day? He wasn't tired. And I think what it here is this, is that God creates the world and takes a day to say, I'm going to be completely non-productive today. And that's the pattern for us. Take time off 
and be completely non-productive. Build rhythms in your life like that of not going, doing more and more and more. And it's a challenging thing to do sometimes. And I heard this guy on a podcast uh, about six months ago. For us, we are limited beings. We get tired. We get stressed. And so we need to build rhythms of rest into our lives. But it's interesting. Do you catch what happens in creation? That God makes everything. He makes human beings, human race, on the sixth day. And he's going to tell them later on, you've got work to do. And it's going to go, go multiply, replenish the earth. He's going to say, hey, subdue creation. Work with creation. There's work to be done. Work was not the result of sin. Um, work was going to be part of the deal from the very beginning. We're not going to be sitting around, floating around on clouds. There's going to be stuff to do. But before we did one thing, you know what God told us to do? Sit here with me. Before human beings got out there, did anything in the garden, before they did anything, just sit here and take, here's, what, here's the, the line maybe to say, is that we don't rest from work, we rest for work. See, we think it's like, okay, you know, what, what, what's the line? Uh, it's, thank God it's Friday because that means Saturday's here. Because <sighs> I'm stressed out, I'm all, I'm a mess, I'm, work has just beat the snot out of me. He says, no, what you want to do is proactively do Sabbathing, taking that time off, that rhythm of rest there, to prepare you for what's coming, not just to recover from what you already did. Both those things are probably going to be there, but it's important to see the Sabbath that way, to be proactive about it. Now, reacting and responding to this whole idea of Sabbath, what, how God's people did this, when this command comes to them, keep in mind the cultural context of what's going on for them, very different than anybody here. For 400 years, think back 400 years now, we're in 2023, that's when the, basically the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. We don't have a country yet. For 400 years, they were slaves in the country of Egypt. Read the book of Genesis, it tells about how all that happened. But for 400 years, it was seven days a week, 365 days a year, everybody worked. There was no day off. And that's all you did. Can you imagine when God gives the commandments about no false gods, no idols, don't swear, don't use my name in vain. Take a day off. Take a day off. What a blessing, how refreshing that would be. And even for people that were going to own companies and do things, hey, don't just grind people out like you got ground out there. When your great, 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 great grandpa was doing that. This is forever. This had been happening. And for them, it's tricky because you would think, okay, awesome. We get a day off. But if you have been doing something for 400 years and it's generational, this is going to be a challenge, a big challenge to try to, how do we, how do we do this? And so God follows up with this commandment in Exodus chapter 20. Find Exodus 31. You navigate there, your mobile device, if you have it as well. We use the New Living Translation if you're trying to find out which one we're in. But Exodus 31 now. Exodus 31. What God does now is explains why the Sabbath is so important. He says this, verse 13. Tell the people of Israel, tell my chosen people, which would be us today, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a Mark that in your Bible. A sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It's given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You must 
keep the Sabbath day, for it's a holy day for you. Skip down to verse 17. It's a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and he was refreshed. Think about that. God's not stressed out. He's not like, oh my gosh, I, need, I just need a vacation. He's, think that life's good for him. For us, sometimes the Sabbath day is not just about like, oh, life's challenging, I need a day off. Sometimes life is going fantastic for you. And then the Sabbath is just a way of just refreshing your soul and your spirit. You get even more geeked out, excited for everything that God has for you. So it's not always about, oh, life's a grind and I need a day off. Um, it's, it says it's a sign for you. It's interesting. Not like worship one God and that's the sign for you. Not don't use the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't kill people. Don't steal. Because here's the deal. Every other nation, every other culture around them, you study this in anthropology and sociology and all that, every other religion has all those commandments in their codes too. They, have, they, now they don't worship the true God, but whoever their God is, that's our God, no other gods. And they say, don't use him. You treat God as holy. He's the one true God. Had different ways they did that. And almost every other system and culture has things like marital fidelity, and, and property and stuff, and don't steal from people, and don't lie, and honesty, th those are all there. Nobody else has this one. Because everybody else is doing seven days a week. And God says, I want, to make, I want you to stand out to be different here. So people look at you and go, that's weird. You trust God, and you don't work every day? You don't grind yourself out? How in the world do you survive doing that? And God goes, trust me, I got you. Now the tricky part was, because this was a difficult thing, what was a blessing, they begin to see as a burden. Because you know how it is. Like, today I'm a little bitter about the fact that Chick-fil-A does a Sabbath day. Think about the money they can make. I mean, think about it. After church today, all the Christians go to Chick-fil-A and go get a bunch of stuff here. They would make more money. And yet you look at the lines at Chick-fil-A. Does anybody have lines like that anywhere else? In and out, kind of. <laughs> so that happens, they start to see it as a drag and they, they start to go, oh, it's a bummer, I don't like to do this. Um, it's gonna tell us in Ezekiel chapter 20. Find Ezekiel, it's to the right in your Bible. So you go to Psalms is the middle, past the book of Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel comes on, comes on the scene probably four or 500 years after their nation is established as a nation. And the people, God's people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're, they're just fitting in with the culture around them. They're not doing what they're honoring the Sabbath and all this stuff. And God calls them out through Ezekiel on this. Kind of gives them a history lesson. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. I gave them my Sabbath days of... Rest. And here it is again. See it right here? As a sign. See that's repeated over and over again? This is going to make you dip. You're going to stand out because of this between them and me. It was to remind them that I'm the Lord who has set them apart to be holy. But the people of Israel rebelled against me and they refused to obey my decrees there in the wilderness. They wouldn't obey my regulations even though obedience would have given them life. Side note on that. People sometimes look at the commands and things in the Bible and go, well, that's just no fun, but okay, if we have to, we have to. God's going to go over and over again, you don't get it. If you do this my way, 
If you follow my rules and my commands, it's going to be good for you. Not because it's the right thing to do, dang it, but because it's just going to be a good, it's going to help your life go better, your marriage go better, your finances go better. All kinds of stuff will go better if you just do it his way. It would have given them life. It says, they also violated my Sabbath days, so I threatened to pour out my fury on them, and I made plans utterly consume them in the wilderness. Look down at verse 21. But they're children now. So now he's talking about the wilderness. When they first came out of Egypt and they were slaves and given the rules, they're not obeying the rules. They're 10 minutes out and violating stuff like over and over and over and over again. He says, the children now, the ancestors, these kids, the great, 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 great grandkids, too, rebelled against me. They refused to keep my decrees and follow my regulations, even though obedience would have given them life and they also violated my Sabbath days. So again, I threatened them. The book of, uh, in the book, there's a little tiny little book called Amos in your Bible. And in Amos, it talks about this. Amos is calling them out going, hey, what you guys, here's what you guys say. <sighs> When's the Sabbath day going to be over so we can get back to work again? Because for them, it was a drag. They wanted to grind their people out, keep working and working, make more money. And what had happened in that culture, because they weren't following God on those things, their business practices became corrupt. And so they were not just wanting to go back to work and do, go back to work and work so we can cheat people and exploit people and grind people down and be dishonest out there. You want to violate the Sabbath by not keeping it and then do all kinds of crazy, sketchy stuff on the Sabbath. And then find Jeremiah in your Bibles. Jeremiah, um, it's back from Ezekiel, so it's right before uh, Ezekiel. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah is a, a guy that God sends to Israel when God has had it with them. He has warned them and warned them and warned them and blessed them and blessed them and blessed them and he has had it and he sends Jeremiah to get their attention. He says, if you don't pay attention this time, the Babylonians, the Persians are coming here. They're going to burn this place down and here's why. Jeremiah chapter 17. He does a whole big thing here from verses 19 to 27 about you didn't observe my Sabbath. You were crazy. You just kept doing what you wanted to do. You wouldn't listen to me. You were stubborn. He says, if you would not, if you would, if you would get, get your act together again and stop doing this, we can get things back on track again. But he says, you won't do it. You won't do it. You won't do it. He says, and so verse 27, here's the warning. If you don't listen to me and refuse to keep the Sabbath holy, and if on the Sabbath day you bring loads of merchandise through the gates of Jerusalem, just as on other days, then I'll set fire to these gates. You know what God says there? I'll burn this sucker down. You know what happened? 20 years after this, roughly, Babylon came and they burned the place down, literally. Tore the walls down, tore the temple down. They burned the whole place down. And they, the people of Israel were sent into exile because their disobedience and rebellion to God manifested in all kinds of ways. And what's interesting in this, doing some research in the last few weeks on this, they were sent away as exiles, which means they killed a lot of people, what Babylon did, took the best and the brightest and all, some people and exiled, they took them back to Babylon for 70 years. You know why they took them for 70 years? Uh, they've, God, you can look at this other places here in the scriptures. God says this, the cumulative amount of days and weeks that have stacked up now for hundreds of years, you know what that equals out to? 70 years. You haven't given the land rest, your companies, you haven't given, you've given nothing rest. So that's it, we're done. And for 70 years, they were in exile. And exile was not a good thing for them. They says, they, by the rivers of Babylon, we wept, wondering if God forgetting about us, they'll go. So what happens here, 
After 70 years, another king comes along and goes, you know, we're going to resettle you back into your land. And we're going to send Ezra back there to rebuild the temple. And Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah talk about in the Bible, and rebuild the walls. And we're going to reestablish that culture there. But people remember, oh gosh, man, God was mad at us. We did not do the Sabbath thing right. So let's make sure we get the Sabbath thing right this time. Let's get it right. And so they sat down and started figuring, okay, so what does it mean to not work in the Sabbath? And it started off really well intentioned, but then they decided to be more holy than God. They decided, you know what? God says, keep, here's the, this is the boundary here, the table here. This is the Sabbath. Set that apart as holy. Make sure you don't even work on that day. Don't do your regular work on that day. Rest, relax, have fun. No work here. We want to make sure we don't do any work. So what do we have to do? Let's pull the, build another wall around this wall of rules and regulations that you can and can't do. And so they build another wall around here. And they go, gosh, some times go by. Let's go another wall around here. So the time that Jesus shows up in here, they have, they have manuals of books, thousands of little rules and rituals and things you were allowed to do and not do on the Sabbath day. This is called legalism. What legalism says is God says, I've given you some things here, take a day off, but to make sure we don't screw it up, we're going to put some other boundaries around here. And now look at me. Some of you need to do that in your life for certain reasons. You know, like I know how I'm wired. So for me, I I put certain boundaries and things in my life that I go, that's a useful tool for me and a rule for me. But when tools become rules for everybody else and you oppose it, it's legalism. And here's the crazy part is parents with your kids putting boundaries out there that really aren't godly or real just to kind of scare them into obedience, at some point they're going to cross over that line and go, well, you said all this is going to be bad. You know what happens when they cross that line? Nothing. So they go, well, I'm going to keep going and keep going. And then they cross over the line that God says, and then all hell breaks loose. Legalism never works. It's well-intentioned and it's well-meaning. And they're really trying to make sure, look, God sent us away for 70 years. Let's not screw this up again. And so they have even today. Now, it's survived. Now, I went to websites this week. Of, of the list of things forbidden on the Sabbath in, in different cultures that get rules and regulations around the command. The first one of them is you're not allowed to tear toilet paper in the bathroom on the Sabbath. That would be awkward. <laughs> I guess the day before you kind of go tear off a bunch and just put it up on the windowsill or something. I don't know. Not tear it Sabbath. Uh, yeah, because there's rules against you can't hunt on the Sabbath. You can't hunt on the Sabbath because that's your, if your job. You can't go out and hunt. And it's like, so you, oh, you can't kill a bug on the Sabbath. No killing of any bugs on the Sabbath. Um, they have over in, in Israel today, I've had a chance to see this in action and hear about this, what they call Sabbath elevators. Today, in, in, almost, in almost every building that's a high-rise building in Israel, it's called the Sabbath elevator. On the Sabbath, you know what it does? You're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. And if you push the button, you have, you have done some work to make that thing work. And so what they do is they, you get on the first floor, second floor, the doors open and close. Third floor, doors open and close. Nobody pushes a button. It just keeps doing that. It's kind of a bummer if you're on the 87th floor. <laughs> but that's kind of the rule. That's one of the rules out there. Those things exist um, today. Um, I, I found this one. Um, and I got this off of a, a site that's just not trying to make fun of this. They're just saying, you're not allowed to plug things into the sockets on the wall on the Sabbath day because that's doing work and acting. So you're doing that. But here's what you're allowed to do. They say this, uh, you can't plug that in, but with your mouth or your elbows, you're allowed to. 
Or you could take it and put it right up next to it and then headbutt it in. And then you're allowed to do that. See what I'm saying here? We put rules around rules around rules to make sure we don't violate this one. And it ends up going crazy. And I, at the, at the, what happens then is at the time of Jesus now, 400 years after they arrived back from the exile and they're back and Jesus shows up, the Sabbath day was the, not a burden. Excuse me. The Sabbath day was a burden, not a blessing. I'm thinking that's kind of what God wanted, right? This day off to be a, a day of joy and excitement and rest and rejuvenation, relaxation, to resent it. There's a, a city in the Bible called Succoth. And the Sabbath sucketh. He's like, oh, I'm just done with this. I remember, you know, you just do this. You go, trying to be more holy than Jesus. It just it makes Sabbath a burden. Jesus shows up. There's a couple, those of you who've read the Bible a lot and have gone to church a lot, you'll know that one of the biggest controversies Jesus had, besides claiming to be God, is he on a regular basis violated the Sabbath, it looked like. Now, he wasn't violating the Sabbath. He was violating all the rules and regulations around it. There was rules and regulations you couldn't plow on the Sabbath because you couldn't get your oxen out and plow on the ground. But they had a rule that said, if you spit on the ground and make mud, you have plowed the ground, so you're not allowed to spit. So you can spit on the concrete, not on mud. And then you also weren't allowed to make mix up, like if you, if you worked in the trades, to make cement. Not allowed to do that. And of course, that's, that's your regular job. But oh, you made mud on the Sabbath. And one time, Jesus, John chapter 9, he, there's a guy who's born blind. And Jesus spits in the dirt and makes mud. And he heals the guy. Now, here's the crazy thing is, Jesus could have healed that guy just going, boink. He's making a statement here going, all your dumb rules and regulations here have missed the whole point of this thing. And, and, and they got mad at him because, not because he healed on the Sabbath, because he... You made mud. You made cement on the Sabbath. And they get all freaked out about it. Another time it tells us in Mark chapter 2 that the disciples, Jesus and his disciples, were walking through a grain field on the Sabbath. Go ahead and somewhere. And there were rules there about you can't harvest your fields on the Sabbath, right? If you have a harvest machine, whether it's uh, with oxen and plow and that kind of stuff, you don't harvest the grain, don't plow the fields on the Sabbath. But they're hungry. They're walking through the fields and they see some stalks of grain there and they just broke some off and started chewing on them because they were hungry. And wanted some meat, and the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the pastors, priests, they said, What are you doing? You are breaking the Sabbath, which was over here. Like, don't, don't do your regular work, but doing this. And Jesus goes, Man, you guys have missed the whole point. And he says, This Mark chapter 2, verse 27, it'll be up here on the screen. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the needs of the Sabbath. And this blessing that I gave you, you've taken as this big chore and a burden. And Jesus is going to go, look, keep the Sabbath. They don't do any regular work on the day. But Jesus didn't violate the Sabbath. He violated the regulations, the rules and dumb regulations that are out there, which is a challenge. For some of us, we've got to be careful with those kind of things. As things have been meaningful and cool for us, we try to impose it on other people. Don't do that to people. It might be helpful for you. Don't put that on other people. Um, Jesus did not abolish the Sabbath. For those of you who think, well, Jesus said that for it doesn't matter anymore. He didn't abolish the Sabbath. He abolished the the artificial walls we had put around it. Here's what Sabbath is. It's a, it's a rhythm. God commends hard work in the Bible. That's a whole different talk about the idea of laziness. Laziness is as bad as breaking the Sabbath. He tells us, hey, work hard. But here's what it is. Here's the rhythm of what the Sabbath's all about. It's not about a legalistic day. It's a rhythm of work hard 
and rest hard. Work hard and rest with the same intensity that you work with in terms of it being a priority for you. He says, build a rhythm of rest, relaxation, rejuvenation. And here's the deal. If you're going to be any good to anybody, those people that do depend on you, that company that depends on you, the people, whoever depends on you, you've got to have something inside you as resources to help them. If you just like this all the time, uh, it's not going to work. If you're going to be any good to anybody, write this down. You have to practice the art, what we're going to call it today, uh, divine selfishness. Holy selfishness. Not self-absorbed selfishness, but the idea of, look, if I'm going to help anybody here, I've got to take care of myself. I'll be no good to my kids, no good to my company, no good anywhere else. So here's what I'm wondering today. I'm going to have you get your phones out here for a second and text me right now. What are, what are some things you do whether it's on your day off or nights or just whatever, that fills and fuels you. Whether it's like, oh, I just feel better when I do this or like when I'm really stressed or what kind of stuff is. What is it that, man, when I do this, I just feel like I come back alive again and my soul feels alive, I feel relaxed, I feel joy in my heart and soul. What are those things that you do? Um, text me right now. Already got four of them from you guys. That's awesome. So, Somebody's calling me right now. I can't answer your call. Sorry, Ed. Um, <laughs> text me right now. About now, while you're doing text me, keep doing that. We're going to share these in a bit. Why the Sabbath is so hard, why it's so difficult for us sometimes, is, is this. Is, it's FOMO. It's the, you know what this, right? Fear of missing out. Our whole culture, advertising everything in your world is designed to help uh, you uh, take care of that fear of missing out. But there's even some good things, like I don't want to miss out, and here's the two big ones. Are we going to call them the cul-de-sac of stupidity? When you, you know when you drive into a cul-de-sac and you keep doing loops in the cul-de-sac and you're going nowhere? The two cul-de-sacs of stupidity that, that happens, not just in our culture, but happens with all of us from time to time is this. It's the fear of missing opportunity, and the fear of not meeting my potential. A missed opportunity or potential. And here's the thing. I, I'm looking around the room today. Conversations I have with you. We're getting the thing started. We have to work hard, work hard. And I can't take a day off right now. So I just can't right now. You just don't understand my life right now. I'm just too busy. And I got I to get six Red Bulls before breakfast. And then breakfast, I go have a, 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 a milkshake from McDonald's. Then I go after there and I get my kale shake to kind of equalize the thing. I, just, I got opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Because I got to get it. I got to get it. If I, here's the thing we're going to think is this. If I don't get this opportunity right now, it's never going to happen again. Can I tell you right now? It'll be there again in four months. Something else will be there. Almost every time something else will be there. Fear of that missed opportunity. Keep chasing it. And then there's the other one too. It's the, the potential trap. My potential. I'm never going to be all I can be unless I just keep going, 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 going. Parents with your children who are beautiful snowflake unicorns. I get it. They're amazing. I want them to be all they can be. And so we go, I got to push them. I got to challenge them. I want to keep them going and going and going and going because I want them to achieve all and be all that they can be. And when you do that, you miss out on being human. Somebody in our brainstorming this week said it this way You are not a human doing, you're a human being. 
And when you go, do, 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 because here's the deal. We need to hear from what? I think it was the Beatles, the prophetic, prophetic words. Uh, Mother Mary says to me, words of wisdom, let it be. What Sabbath is, just let it be. Just sit there and do nothing. And today I'm not going to reach all the potential I could be. I'm not going to have reach every opportunity I could. And, and when you do that, here's what you're going to discover, though, too. Because if you want to reach your opportunities and reach your potential, you have to build a rhythm in there of rest so that you have something there so that you're running at full strength. There's a kind of a famous story. Some of you have probably heard it before, so just don't spoil the end. But two lumberjacks working about 200 yards away from each other in a big forest. One guy's over here just sawing away, sawing away, just or with this axe, cutting, cutting away, cutting down trees, and he just goes, goes, goes. He looks over here at his buddy over here working 200 yards away, and guys, a few times during the day, he goes, that guy's just sitting down doing nothing. He goes, how in the world is that? I'm going to kick that guy's butt and I'm going to have I'm, whatever there. At the end of the day, he's cut down 15 trees. This guy's cut down 25. He goes, how is that even possible? He went over and asked him, how did you do that? He says, well, I, about every hour, hour and a half or so, I sat down, got something to eat, and I sharpened the saw. So that when I did work, I could reach all of my potential. But we think, i got to go, 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 go. And here's the crazy thing, too, guys. When we don't take this Sabbath thing seriously, here's what's going to happen to us. You get to a place of emotional, mental, physical exhaustion and burnout. And you crash and burn. And you end up, again, especially because of the adrenaline rush of doing more and being more and getting more, what I see, I've seen happen here, I'm a pastor, so I live and work in the world of pastors, but this happens all kinds of people's lives. I, the, the, like, I don't know any of these guys. I've heard the stories enough to know, man, famous pastors doing great ministry for God, just the adrenaline going and going and going and no rest in their life. So in order to feel like they got involved in destructive things like pornography, drugs, alcohol, committed adultery, had an affair, cheated. You know why? Because they weren't getting any in their own life. They had to go find it in artificial destructive places. And you'll do it. You'll crash and burn. If you think, here's the deal. I'm not telling you today that you shouldn't work 24-7. I'm telling you you can't. At some point, you're going to crash and burn. Something's going to happen there. So let's be proactive about that. Now, um, we've got about eight or nine minutes left here. Right now what I want to do with you is take this and make this move from, okay, here's why, and it's amazing, let's do this, to some clarifying questions some of them come out of the scriptures, some of them kind of out of just wisdom and life from people I know and my own experience with this. Six clarifying questions to help us implement this into our life, to be immensely practical with, okay, if I'm single or I'm crazy life and I got, I was talking to a guy last night at a church, he's got his job and then he has a side job. How do you build rhythm and rest and all that stuff when you have two jobs that really it's not like two halftime jobs, it's like 1.4 jobs because of all the extra stuff that gets built into it. The first thing to ask is this, is my day off actually a day off? Is my day off a day off? We have things built into our culture now where there's that day. Now, here's the deal. Somebody asked me last night, so, okay, Steve, the Sabbath day, the sixth day, the seventh day, we take the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day is holy, so is, does the day matter? I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus and the disciples said, look, anymore, the day of the week doesn't matter. Someday... Some of you want to do it on that one day, it's a Saturday or a Sunday, make that your Sabbath day. Others of you that work on the weekends, Tuesday's your Sabbath day. 
just doesn't matter what the day is. I might even tell you too, some of you are going, I don't know if I can take a whole day. That's all right. Then build some rhythms in your life to say, okay, maybe I get six to eight hours over here and four to seven hours over here. Build some rhythms into your life where you get time off and time away to just do nothing, to be, produ- to be completely unproductive, to rest and refresh your soul. Number two, what fills and drains me? Be honest about that. This would be some homework to do. What kind of stuff do I do that drains me and what stuff do I do that fills me? Now, look, draining stuff to you isn't bad stuff. Like having a job, committing to work. Like dads out there, um, some of you are, fun dad is like, that fills me. I could be a fun dad, take my kids out, play and do all kinds of stuff. Fun dad is fun. Uh, disciplined dad can drain me. It's the difficult conversation. Sometimes I just, just go and do your own thing. It's It's challenging. So you have to recognize there's some responsibilities you got to do, for sure. Be responsible, but then keep in mind, what are the things that fill me up? And I ask you guys about those. We're going to take a look here at some of these. Some of you want to take some notes on these. Here's what I want to tell you this on two, so I don't forget. Some of you are going to know these things and know you should be doing them, and you know in your own life that you used to do these things, but then life changed with marriage and a company and commuting and work. And you haven't done that in so long. It might be like, you know what, let's go back and just go back and do that again. If that does it for you, here's some things you guys shared. Sit in my backyard, taking in the beauty that God's blessed us with bicycle riding. Gives you a rest in peace. Taking longer walks with my dog. Um, Fishing or sleeping. Somebody says, "I, I love to just sing. To the Lord during the day, taking a nap during a slow cook and then eating that meal as a family later. That's kind of fun. Taking a walk, taking a nap, sitting in nature, going to the beach, going to the mountains. Coffee with my husband on the couch or coffee with friends at places around town. Get a massage. Somebody put out the sounds of silence. Just everything. I put the phone, everything just goes away. Beach time with no phone. Tinkering in the garage, dance, church, creating sick, juicy riffs on the guitar. It's our band people. It's awesome. (laughs) Family and friends, riding my bike, quiet time, like even doing devotion stuff. Like that's the thing, like you build that in your life. It's not like, oh gosh, I'm a Christian, so let's have a quiet time. You do it right and it restores your soul and it's good and it's it's, it's fantastic. Going shooting. Killing things or stuff. <laughs> Talk to my dad and mom, shopping, dancing, gardening, hiking, movies, a golf day, playing the piano, watching the waves. Somebody talked about uh, I take a nap and then later on I take another nap. <laughs> Reading a book, quality time with my husband. Um, all those and more are, are great ones, things to think about. Whatever that thing is, be aware of that and then make sure you're building that in your life. And then the third question here is, what works for me? Because what works for me probably ain't going to work for you. We were doing some brainstorming this week on this. Uh, Beth, one of our pastors here, you've heard Beth speak here a few times, and Joey, she talked about one time she was out floating in the pool in the backyard because it was just awesome and amazing and just out there just chilling out, whatever. And then Joey comes out with gardening tools. He's going to do yard work. And she goes, I should go help him because whatever. Joey goes, could you get out of here, woman? 
Because for him, working in the, in the garden was, was joy and relaxing and restoring for him. And I think he said to his wife, he didn't say this, he probably thought it, if you come over here, you're going to ruin this for me. Somebody else talked about, Billy and Samantha talked about this too, that Billy loves to tinker in the garage, working on motorcycles and just messing with stuff like that. Some people go, well, isn't that work? No, it, it's, here's the deal. We live in a culture now where Rick Warren, famous pastor, said it this way, if you work with your hands, then rest with your mind. If you work with your mind, blue collar, you know, white collar jobs or you're just mind, then rest with your hands. I mean, you get out there and mow the yard or tinker with stuff in the garage, stuff like that. And, and Sam's in the house and she's just quietly sitting there just baking bread. Now, you ask Joey to do that, come in the house and be quiet and bake bread? I'm going to have marriage counseling with those two. Um, uh, Tyler and Katie Priest. Uh, Tyler, Katie's in all these book clubs. I think she's in reads 18 books a week or something. She's just reading all the time, hearing the stories about that, loves to read, reads all stuff all the time. She tries to get Tyler to do it because she thinks, this is awesome for me, it should be awesome for you. And Tyler goes, I'll watch the movie. That doesn't, that doesn't do anything for him. So be careful because here's what will happen sometimes Sabbath. You'll see somebody you respect and think, oh, I want to be like them because they're awesome. I, love, I respect them. I love the way they do that. And then you'll try to, I did this for a while, try to kind of put their practices in your life and go, but it doesn't work for you. So do what works for you, not what just works for them. When Denise and I got married, even things like devotions and quiet time, I would get up, not crack a dawn, but just sit there with my Bible and go to a coffee place, the backyard, a Bible, a journal, pray, listen to music, whatever. And she thought, okay, good Christians are supposed to do that, so I guess I should do that. She tried it, didn't work for her. You know why? Because she's an extrovert, I'm an introvert. I get energized by being by myself, she get energized by being with people. So if that's your personality, your things, your Sabbath thing might be not just by yourself, it might be with people, with friends. And so she would join groups and do those kinds of things together. During COVID, my wife um, Sabbathed a lot. We, uh, she painted our upstairs bedroom eight times because it was fun for her. It wasn't a chore. She just had a great time doing it. I look at that and go, I was exhausted just watching it happen. Yeah. Good movies, good food, good friends. Number four, this is not out of the Bible. This is just a thing I heard somebody talk about uh, several months ago. Do I have a life-giving hobby? You know, you know what a life-giving hobby is? It's the things that you do that steal your mind and your emotions away from the demands of your job and the demands of being a parent or a spouse. What steals your mind completely away from that? Now, here's the deal. With hobbies, this is for four or five of you in here. You get one hobby. You don't get seven. Because <laughs> some of you wives or husbands are going, yeah, they have seven things they're doing all the time. I wish they would just you know, work once in a while too. So you get one. Number five, what am I modeling for my kids? What are your kids going to see in how you do Sabbath? With our daughter, Brittany, we, she was in elementary, middle school, something like that. She was doing like four or five different extracurricular things besides school and all that stuff and church youth group. And way at one point, I go, this is not good for her. It's not even good for us. So we said, you get to choose two. Because it's not good to keep kids that busy. And I know, it's here's the deal. Idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? You don't want your kids just bored sitting around doing nothing. But sometimes you think, okay, my kids, my biggest fear is if they get bored, They'll be bad, so if they can't be godly, let's at least make them busy. And he's going to go, hey, just maybe some things to do is build some time, some breaks into life so they can catch their own breath and not be going, G -g 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 
all the time, achieving all of their potential. Um, and then it's going to be good to moms and dads especially, even single parents, to build rhythms in your life where you purposefully neglect your children. Matt Chandler, a famous pastor in Texas, says it this way. He says, I love my kids. My world revolves around my kids. I'm a better parent to my kids when I see them a little less often. You just will be. Some of you know that, right? You go, I get some time away from them and I'm a better parent when I, when I do that. Now, don't neglect your kids. I mean, you go on. You shouldn't. I'm not talking about neglecting kids. But anyway, different thing. What am I modeling? And number six. How can I plan and prepare for my Sabbath? You've got to be proactive about this. If you try to say, well, I'll just squeeze Sabbath time in when I, when I squeeze it in. If you don't make this a priority, Danny Raymer last, uh, was talking about this with a, a training thing he did with our small group leaders on Friday night. The idea like for time in your life, you've got to go I'm on my calendar, boom, this time and this time, this day, from 4 o'clock here till 4 o'clock the next day, not picking up the phone, not turning on the computer, we're going to go. And again, even schedule some things out. And sometimes in doing that, you go, okay, that means i got to take care of some things earlier in the day or earlier in the week. This week I had a chance to go out and play golf on Wednesday at 4 o'clock. That means I got up at, at like 5.30 in the morning to get, I had a lot of things to get done that day and meetings to prepare for, so I'm going to get up and get done. So sometimes you work a little harder so that when it's time to rest, you're not going, oh, gosh, this thing and that thing, and I'm, oh, i got that stuff back there. So plan and prepare, prepare for it. It means scheduling time with friends, scheduling time even with your spouse. Even scheduling like things like quiet time and devotions, making Sabbath and rest not a burden but a blessing. And if we practice this art of divine selfishness, of building this rhythm into our life, of just doing nothing productive, you'll become the person that God wants you to be, able to seize all the great opportunities and achieve all of your and your kids' God-given potential. Band's coming up. We're going to give you a chance to, to reflect on this, think about this. I, I think um, we're going to sing some songs. One of the songs we're going to sing is I Surrender All. Maybe for some of you today is I Surrender All is not my life or my, maybe it's I Surrender My Schedule, God. I'm going to trust you in this to go off the top. I'm going to carve time out and make sure I am putting rhythms of rest, restoring, re- rejuvenation. And maybe it's even taking the time to go, hey, and I'm going to make sure this is stuff that rejuvenates and restores me. So, some of you sat here today and something occurred to you, go, man, I haven't been to the beach in forever. That bike ride thing that used to just restore my soul, I'm too busy for that. Mm. Make it a priority. Build some rhythms of things back into your life. Our prayer team is at the back of the house today. You may have some stuff in your life where you're stressed out, life's difficult, crazy, blah, whatever. Go back and talk to them back there. Let them just pray for you and find some rest for your soul. And then the deal, here's the deal too. Religion at times and spirituality, even good stuff, can become like this. Because religion says you got to do, you got to do, you got to do, you got to go, you got to serve, you got to give, go, go, go. Book of Hebrews tells us this, that when Jesus came along, he said, he declared a Sabbath rest over our lives. He says, come to me, all you are burdened, heavy laden, and you will find not work for my kingdom, Rest for your souls. So as we sing these songs today and we come to tables of communion, remember what Jesus did for us? It was not to save us, so come on, work harder and be more stressed out. Rest. Jesus, today, hmm, 
We don't always know what to do. God, my prayer today is that for those of us that needed this really badly, that this week, this day even, things would shift and how we build rhythms of rest and, and rejoicing and restoration back into our lives. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.